Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Mission Log Supplemental, number 44. But, is it Star Trek? Or, yet another one, from the Rio. Welcome to another supplemental episode of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Second one this week. Second supplemental this week. I'm Ken Ray. (laughs) And I'm John Champion, doing my best to contain my excitement, unlike you, Ken. We are back from Victorville. Oh, and uh, we're also back from Las Vegas. Now, while we did not bring you any frozen custard, because we ate it, We did bring you another show. But is it Star Trek? That's the, ooh, incendiary topic of this year's Mission Log panel, kind of tied to the fandom divided panel that we brought you a couple of weeks back from Comic-Con. Well, we'll hit that in a moment. But first, a word from the Great Courses Plus. These are great courses, Ken. Are they? Yeah, right there in the title. Oh, in case yeah. You missed that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, they are courses covering all sorts of topics from history to learning a language to writing a screenplay to the inexplicable universe. But with the Great Courses Plus, you don't have to pick. You can watch or listen to as many as you want. And they go where you go. The Great Courses Plus has an app for iOS and Android, so you can watch or you can listen on the go. They're offering both video and audio versions of the courses, so, you know, kind of like listening to a podcast. You can listen while you work, you can listen while you drive, you can listen at the gym. Uh, Basically, any place you can listen is a great place for The Great Courses Plus. Now, earlier I mentioned The Inexplicable Universe. This is a course by Neil deGrasse Tyson. You know him. Well, you've seen him on talk shows, and you've seen him on Nova, you've seen him on Cosmos, And now you can see him wherever and whenever you want. With The Great Courses Plus, Neil deGrasse Tyson will explain to you inexplicable life, inexplicable space, inexplicable physics, so much more. Is he going to explain how he can explain the inexplicable? Oh, that should be... uh, That's another course. They should just (laughs) make more right there. How I Do It by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Six lectures in this course, waiting to broaden your mind or blow your mind, maybe. Watch them all. Watch just the ones you want. Then choose from the seemingly countless courses they have available besides these. And start it all off for free. Mission Log listeners have access to one month of lectures from The Great Courses Plus... You just go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mission log. Yes, that is a big URL, but it's got a lot of big ideas behind it. So here it comes again. Thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mission log. Life is full of stuff you have to know. This is stuff you want to know. I want to do it more time, Ken. Start today at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mission log and a huge thanks to the great courses plus for sponsoring this week's show 
We are both sporting our con voices. Mine's better this year than it was last year. I think mine is worse this time than it was last year. Last year, I paced myself better than I paced myself this year. (laughs) (laughs) It's not even just about that. I think it's also, you know, the changes in the air and plus uh, half of California is burning down at this point. So that could be affecting your throat a tiny bit. Uh, but there was lots of talking. There was lots of uh, lots, lots of shaking hands. Uh, no kissing babies. So that's a good weekend, if you ask me. <laughs> um, here's the thing: we're going to talk a lot more about people that we ran into and uh, and and some special shout outs after this. But right now, what I want you to do is close your eyes, unless you're driving or handling knives or operating heavy machinery. Um, what I want you to do is come with us on a journey of the mind. As we take you to the Mission Log podcast panel, but is it Star Trek? Recorded live at the Rio in Las Vegas on Friday, the 3rd of August, 2018. Welcome to Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log, we... (laughs) Didn't even get to the good part yet. Each week on Mission Log, we pick apart an episode of Star Trek, examining it for morals, meanings, messages, and asking ourselves and you if the whole thing stands the test of time. And that is not what we're doing today. The bit, ladies and gentlemen, opening show since 2016. Yeah, that that bit never fails. It never, well... Except when it does. All the times it fails. All the times. Right, Yeah. yeah. So, no, that's not what we're doing today. We're not examining one... Uh, episode of Star Trek. Today we are examining a question. <gasps> Look, oh my God. What happened? Per- it happened. It happened, happened right on cue. Thank you, oh tech guys. God. You're amazing. I hope he's okay. <laughs> so, talk about why, we, why this question and what we're talking about exactly. Yeah. So, it's a little bit of a loaded question, I would say. It's a lot a loaded question, I yes. would say. Um... Have you guys heard of a new Star Trek? Okay. I see a couple of people in disco shirts. Um, let, let, let me go back to the, the heady days of uh, two weeks ago. You might have found uh, a Ken Ray and a John Champion at Comic-Con, SDCC, hashtag. Um, and we did a panel there talking about the divisions in fandom. How is it that Star Trek fans are divided? Are they divided? Uh, Is it simply because of online conversations? Are they divided when they come to a thing like this, where we have a bunch of real people in the room together talking about Star Trek? And uh, we got some feedback on that episode, or that that panel discussion, saying, uh, hey, it just sounded like a bunch of people up there who didn't have anything negative to say about Discovery. And I said... That was not an episode asking whether or not you like Discovery. That was an episode asking, is the fandom divided? And it was really interesting. Probably one of the biggest arguments we've had on our Facebook page in quite a while. Yeah. Were people arguing about whether or not we had been accurate and talking about whether there were divisions in fandom. Yeah. (laughs) Irony. So, uh, what we wanted to address in this panel was trying to pick apart what is Star Trek. When... When you, when we say this is definitive Star Trek or something doesn't feel like Star Trek, what are we really saying? What's our expectation? So um, I do want to set a ground rule, though, before we get going. And that ground rule is... Well, wait. So we're asking the question, but is it Star Trek? The answer is... Yes. 
The answer is yes. It, it's Star Trek. Uh, and the, the re- yeah? You're, well, I was going to say there's another slide. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> so, when we say something is Star Trek, we, we start from a position of, if the people who own Star Trek hired people to make Star Trek, that's Star Trek. It's not dependent upon whether or not I personally like it, or you personally like it, or Ken personally likes it. We had this argument already years ago when we were talking about the animated series. You know, to us, the question wasn't, is it canon, is it not canon, is it this, is it that? At the end of the day, it's Star Trek. And they were kind of starting from a, a really lucky position that the, the original ser- series ran for its three years, and then they got the band back together. And it's Gene and DC and David Gerald, and they say, let's make more Star Trek. And they didn't have the baggage of anything else other than those 79 episodes and just continue the story from there. But then something changed. You had Star Trek become a movie franchise, and then The Next Generation, and then DS9, and Voyager, and on and on and on, and Star Trek became a much wider universe with a lot of other hands in it other than Gene Roddenberry and the handful of other people who worked on the original series. So we're going to start from there. We're going to start from there saying that if it's got the name Star Trek on it, and if it came from the people who own Star Trek, it's Star Trek. But the question we're asking is something a little bit deeper, and we really want to encourage you to come up to the mics and help us figure that out. When you say it's Star Trek, when you say it's definitive Star Trek, your favorite episode, your favorite movie, what's at the heart of it? What is is it to you that says this really is Star Trek? And if it's not, if it's something that's your least favorite, because I can tell you from doing this show for six years, we know Every episode is somebody's favorite. Every episode is somebody's least favorite. They're often the same, <laughs> depending on who you ask. So, um, yeah, that's, that's where we start. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had an interesting conversation with uh, somebody when we were at Comic-Con, a friend of mine who is a, a Trek fan from way back, and I kind of hinted that this was the conversation we were having today. Mm-hmm. And I said, so for you, like, what, what's your favorite? What, what is your Trek? And he said, well, DS9 is the best. DS9 is the best Star Trek, but my favorite is TOS. And he continued to say that when Enterprise was on, he was really into that show because it felt more like Star Trek to him because it felt more like TOS. It was a little rough and tumble, rough around the edges. People didn't quite have their footing. They were making mistakes. He just felt like that spoke to that series more than anything that he had seen since. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Crazy, right? Yes. Yeah. Here's and, the thing. I mean, it feels like this would be, and, and I don't know if we're going to, because you mentioned a little show called Discovery. I've heard of a little show called Discovery. I don't know if we're actually going to even talk about Discovery. Somebody asked me the other day, is Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan Star Trek? Ooh. I mean, it's got Kirk, it's got Spock, it's got McCoy. You could argue, as uh, Mark Altman did in this thing that we did for a thing that we'll tell you about later, he actually says that uh, the motion picture is, is very 2001 and that Gene Roddenberry had actually already worked on a second script that was also very 2001. And his argument is, if you keep going that way, you don't get to Star Trek Three. Yeah. Because, I mean, the first one 
was not necessarily as well received as it might have been. <laughs> Did not necessarily do as well at the box office as they thought it might. And if you keep doing that, yeah, but I'm out here making Star Trek thing, then you don't get to keep making Star Trek right. in that particular instance. I mean, right. And yet, I mean, that's, I mean, you see growth from Kirk, Spock, and McCoy at that point. You see, or of course, they're hearkening back to an old, you know, bad guy. So, yes, it's absolutely Star Trek, except, is, is it really? But I would, it's been a long time since we recorded our episode about Wrath of Khan. Yeah. If you had to pick out a moral meaning message, a statement from Wrath of Khan, what would that be? Right now? Seriously? Right now. Dude. <laughs> it is your Christmas movie, after all. Well, but it's my Christmas movie, isn't it? I'm not really... I, uh, come back to me on that, will you? Okay. Do you have one? No, I mean, I would just say that it, it's a movie with a theme, and that, that theme having to do with aging and, and the past kind of coming back to haunt you, literally... Uh, well, I mean, you can, also do the whole, you can also do the whole Moby Dick thing, right? I mean, yeah. uh, Khan is driven by his you know, insane jealousy, and it gets a, or get his insane well, need for vengeance. Right. It gets him killed. That didn't work out very well. Did not, not for him. Yeah. No, so no. So we, learn, or we get our lesson from Khan, I suppose. Yeah. Don't be wow. stupid and die. But here's the thing. So we would also say, excellent, we would also say that, um, you know, there are certain episodes of Star Trek that are fan favorites for a very good reason that we could stand up here and argue are not necessarily Star Trek. Um, who's heard of a little show called City on the Edge of Forever, an episode called that, right? So wonderful, definitive, fan-favorite Star Trek. It, it is a heartbreaking, wonderful piece of drama that I think probably more people who are not Star Trek fans can point to and know that that's Star Trek than just about anything else. And even if they don't know the episode back and, for, back and forward, they probably know about the drama, the Harlan Ellison story, the background, all of that. When we did our episode, we asked each other, is this really Star Trek? It, it didn't necessarily have a statement that felt like a Star Trek message, but I would circle back around and say it's necessary because it cements the Kirk-Spock-McCoy relationship, what they do for each other and how important they are to each other. Yeah, but was the, uh, really yeah, okay yeah. again with that? Yeah. Here's the other thing, though. So when you talk about that, then I go to a private little war. Sure. My problem with uh, my problem with City on the Edge of Forever at the time was the fact that well, this is an impossible situation. I want them to save the day. I love the fact in a private little war that really just seemed to be one writer's frustration with how horrible the world was at that moment, and not even be able to come up with a clever way to fix it. You couldn't, you couldn't say, oh, here's what I would do. I mean, what he would do is, you know, bang the typewriter and walk away at the end of it, which is kind of what Kirk did. It's like, okay, let's give them just enough so they don't die, but they can't kill the other guy either, and we'll just keep building that up. All right, so what, what is Star Trek's responsibility in an episode like that? Is the responsibility to reflect what's happening in Vietnam, what's on people's minds to say, this is an impossible, untenable situation, we have no idea what to do, it's affecting real lives, people are dying because of it, and we don't have a good answer. Or is Star Trek's responsibility to say, here's a way out, here's, here's a way to point to a better future? And would an audience in 1967 be able to get that and say, oh yeah, well here's all we do in Southeast Asia, here's how we fix it. Well, I mean, we had a conversation uh, with a bunch of the people from the Roddenberry Podcast Network the other night talking about which Star Trek was their Star Trek. And their answer was, 
I can see myself reflected in XYZ character. I think some people were Voyager, some people were Deep Space Nine. Almost nobody there was TNG. One person in the room, well, as far as who they could see themselves as or who they could see themselves reflected in. I'd argue that Star Trek is supposed to reflect us in everything that it does. When we go to symbiosis, symbiosis is the one where you've got the two planets, one's dealing drugs, the other one is is dependent on it. And and, And we come in, at least the way a lot of people in the room see it, we come in and say, this is why this is wrong, and, and this is how we fix it. Or we leave it alone and let them sort of, you know, let them fall apart so that they can rebuild themselves. I don't see myself as Picard in that episode. I'm the guy dealing drugs, and I'm the guy taking drugs. We're all everybody in every one of those episodes, it seems to me. So, yes, I mean, it's, it is a reflection, reflection of... Here's how to fix it. I mean, if there's an obvious thing, right? Mm-hmm. Let that be your last battlefield. These guys are racist. Okay, stop being racist because you're being stupid. Just quit <laughs> it, right? But we're not just Kirk and Spock at that point, who are also amazing. Kirk's like, you people are idiots. Spock's like, huh. You know, just taking sort of the backwards. <laughs> but then we're also the guys who hate each other for no better reason than because one's black on one side and right. one's black on the other side. So... Yes, it is the job to reflect, but it's, I mean, it, it does all of that stuff. And uh, except for occasionally, there's just a ripping good yarn, like City on the Edge of Forever. I believe we have a caller waiting patiently. <laughs> Hi, come on up to the mic. I'm, I'm a bit strange for a Star Trek fan because I, I don't there's have... There's no such thing. <laughs> I don't have a television. In fact, I don't even know any of the Star Trek people outside of Star Trek because it's actually all I watch. And I really think that Star Trek is the 21st century equivalent of Hans Christian Andersen's, you know, the, the, the fairy tale story. When we were children, we got a large compendium book and we were read a story. Every night, mummy would read you a story. And every story is to help you in your life. It's to show you something of yourself, something of your community, where you can go. And for me, that's what Star Trek is. And if it does not have that morality, and if it, isn't, if it doesn't rise above the effects and the costumes, and if it doesn't give me the heart of this... I don't want to call them fairy stories, because they're not. They're, they're, they're like Joseph Campbell says, they're the, they're the things that, that guide us and show us how we can be humans. And if Star Trek isn't doing that, then it's not Star Trek, which is why Star Trek continues. Is, it should be canon, because they they did the most perfect Star Trek because they, they didn't care about anything except that story and getting it absolutely right and making sure that everybody could understand the morals and the principles behind it. And that, that's Star Trek for me. Without that, it's not Star Trek. Can I make the... Uh, I'll make a slight counter-argument, and you're not going to be surprised. I'm largely with you on that. Um, at the same time, there was somebody that we met a couple of years ago at the table, um, mother and daughter, both dressed, I want to say TNG, um, medical or science. science. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they came up and, and they said, How, is this your first convention? It was their first convention. And it was their first convention because uh, the daughter, who I think was 12 or 13 mm-hmm. maybe, um, wanted to come because she was completely blown away. And I was like, well, how did she get into it? And she said, well, she saw into darkness. Are you kidding? <laughs> and, and she loved it. She loved everything she saw on screen. And her parents were like, well, if you like that, you should probably actually watch the one before. The so they watched Star 2009. Trek. Right. And, uh, and she's 
ravenous. And they said, okay, well, if you like that, you really probably should see where it all came from. Yeah. And she consumed and that was it. like all oh, of it. Okay. And now she is like died in the wool. Her favorite captain is Spock. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Captain Spock. Captain right. Spock is her favorite yeah. captain. Yeah. And she's like, I mean, and she became this, this, this truly Star Trek infused person from this movie that a lot of people at this convention would like to pretend didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, okay, can, can we talk about that for a second, though? Um, we, no, we were, I'm sorry, we're out of time. No, we're, okay, all right. So, yeah. um, we were having this conversation before we came out here talking about what is and, and what is not Star Trek, and Into Darkness is a movie that I've got a lot of problems with, a lot. Mostly have to do with the, the writing and the structure of that story, and the little things. The little things. What, what, what was said was going to happen that didn't... It was a mystery box, blah, 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 blah. But the one thing that you turned me around about on that movie didn't, didn't make me enjoy that movie anymore, but it made me appreciate that movie was that by the time you get to the end, you get what Star Trek does, which is to give a Kirk speech at the end that says, who are you when you're faced with challenge? Who are you when the worst possible thing happens? And, and they did it. They, as you like to say, they staked a summer blockbuster action movie on a Kirk speech. Yes. So that gave me respect for that. I mean, you're right. There's a lot that's yeah. wrong with it. But they, yes. Yeah. They, yeah. That, was, that was the temple. That's the, if we do this well, we can go ahead on to the next one. Right. And, uh, yeah, and so, that was all on being who we say we're going to be. So there's a lot about that movie that I can say I absolutely did not enjoy. Right. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I can say, yeah, it, it, it's Star Trek that they gave us the moral meaning message and they packaged it in a Kirk speech. See, that's an interesting question, though. I don't want to talk about any particular TV show, but you see, they got to the end of a story. <laughs> they got to the end of a story yes. and they gave you that. You didn't have to sit through, let's say you'd had to go to 10, 12, maybe 13 movies. Before you got that, I mean, then, Star Trek Discovery, then, Ken. Then Star Trek Discovery. Question. I don't know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. I'm talking about the animated series. What are you? What? I think they we have hit, another. They hit a moral meeting message every 22 minutes. That's Boom. true. That Done. was awesome. Wasn't that awesome? Except though? for the ones 22 that they didn't. Minutes. Yeah. I believe we have another caller. Hi, uh, Brett Papworth, longtime listener, first-time caller. Hello, um, Brett. I, I think the you know, for me, what is Star Trek has always been what I connect to in it. Like, for instance, in the original show, I was younger. I connected to the sci-fi element. And um, uh, Let This Be Your Last Battlefield connected me with hitting the, the racism part. Like, that connected with me. And, you know, the movies, it, was, it wasn't until we got to Deep Space Nine where I started to... Be, what Star Trek for me was, was the storytelling at that point. So it, it, I matured with... My answer to what is... Is it Star Trek is how I grew with the show to the point where I lose connection with it. Like, uh, I never connected with Voyager. I never connected with Enterprise. I didn't connect with Discovery. So it's, it's uh, for me, it's a personal thing of, is right. it Star Trek? And for a long time when I was younger, I was like, oh, you like this? Well, you suck because that sucks. And, then, and I realized, well, that's not the way to look at it because it's, it, for them, they connected with that. And it, if I didn't, that doesn't affect me in any way, shape, or form. So, but is it Star Trek is, I think, a different answer for everybody. 
And uh, um, you know, one of the things that I like about Star Trek in itself is I didn't connect with Discovery, but I see so many new faces here oh, because yeah. they connected yeah. with it. So for them, Discovery is Star Trek. And like the story you just told, they came in through Discovery. Now they can discover <laughs> going oh, back. Yeah, I like what you did there. To, <laughs> to <laughs> see, um, you know, maybe connect with something else. And, and you know, it, it brings everybody into the fold. So... You know that that that's you know that's my answer. It's, but is yeah. it Star Trek? Yes, it's Star Trek for me. It's Star Trek for you. It's Star Trek for somebody else. Very good. What I've been finding here here. What's been weird to me is how do you talk about it without sounding like you hate it, right? Like if you have a problem with Into Darkness, it's weird. See, movies and TV are so different, though. You, yeah. You'll pay thirteen dollars. To go to a movie, if you pay $13 to go to a movie, and, and because of that $13, and because of the two hours, you can just come out and say, I like it, I hate it, right? I don't know, particularly with, honestly, particularly with Discovery, I don't know how to talk about it and be critical without having people, without going back to the fandom divided part. Right. I mean, there's a, there have been times where I feel like I've been in situations where you can't say anything nice about Discovery, or Into Darkness for that matter, or, and I've also been in situations where I feel like I can't say anything to disagree. Well, you, you posed it as, is it okay to hate discovery? Right. And follow-up question, is it okay to love discovery? Because, yeah. I mean, it's like, it sort of depends, yeah. depends on the moment. Yeah. Basically. I mean, it, the worst thing that come out of, uh, of any of this, it goes back to Phantom Divided. Whichever side, and it's not about sides, but, but wherever you it's might... about sides. No, it's yeah. not. <laughs> wherever you might land... There's somebody there to tell you that you're wrong. That's the worst part of it. I don't want to take away enjoyment from anybody. Yeah. You know, uh, one of our friends who comes to STLV all the time, Andy, are you here, Andy Goldberg? There he is, yeah. He, um, he was kind of struggling with this for a bit and, and uh, left us a message. We had a conversation with him that he decided to come back to STLV one year posing the question, tell me about your Star Trek. Yeah, you know. So he's got his love of to. I want to say TOS is your series, right? Okay. So what is it he gets to learn from other fans who have a different experience with different Star Trek? I'm curious. I would like to pull a Larry Nemechek here, which could mean a lot of things. I know. How many people <laughs> are here for the very first time? This is your first STLV. Nice. Wow. Wow. Amazing. Welcome. For people listening to the audio later, it was a surprisingly large number of people yeah. who raised their hands. Yeah. No, because I, I remember he did that several years ago. It might have been 2010 so, or maybe 2009, but it was shortly after the first J.J. Abrams movie came out. And realized that there were people there who were at that convention because of that movie. And look what happened. They got exposed to all of this, to every series, people walking around in costumes from shows they'd never seen. But now they knew about it, and, right. you know, and now they got to go back and discover, thank you, Brett, uh, discover that, uh, the, those older shows. Can I, can I pull Larry Nemechek really ahead. quickly? Can I pull Larry Nemechek real quick? <laughs> Hold on. Good. Of the people who just raised your hands, or would you say that you guys are here, or how many of you, if you'd raise your hands again, are here because of Discovery? Oh. 
Interesting. Fair enough. A little surprising for the people listening later. Crickets. That's yeah. actually what I wanted to talk about. Yeah, I'm, go ahead. I'm the Andy that you got, that you were just talking about. Yes. So hi everybody. No, we were talking about a different Andy. <laughs> oh well, I'm I'm the same name. Um, and that's what I wanted to say was I want to see what happened. I haven't seen Discovery yet. Now I watched season one. I watched it with you, John. Yeah. Um, but it's not complete yet. Right. So there's a whole lot more for us to see before we can judge. Um, but what I was wondering, and I, I I'm still having that conversation with people. What's your Star Trek? And realizing that Discovery fans haven't found the convention yet. Fans have found Discovery, and they're here. Fans of Star Trek have found Discovery who are here, but fans of Discovery who are kind of exclusive, they haven't quite pulled themselves into the fold with the rest of Star Trek fandom yet. So I'm looking forward to the next couple of years to see this convention morph into, sure. into a younger sure. and more dynamic set of conversations. Yeah. So that's what, yeah. that's what I wanted to say. I, I, well, and I think we should talk about that on tomorrow's panel, the RPN panel, about fandom. Because yes. I, I think that's a dynamic that is absolutely true. And we'll see this change two years, three years, five years from now. Now, what you just did, is that teasing or foreshadowing? All of the above. Okay. <laughs> I'm good at both. Hi. Hi, I'm Meredith. I'm a big fan of your uh, podcast, by the Hi, way. Hi, Meredith. Thank you. Um, so it's kind of a catch-22, but for me, the controversy among Trekkies about what's canon and what is not, um, it actually makes everything more real to me because in real life and in reality, we can't agree on what is canon reality. <laughs> That's the world we live in, and it's, it's fascinating that we have that depth of care and interest in this franchise to disagree. Um, if, for me personally, if it's... If it falls within Roddenberry's vision of this hopeful, humanistic future where we are exploring space, we have reflected upon ourselves, our behavior as a species, uh, I could care less what the Klingons look like or if there's too much lens flare. I mean, those things... Thank you. Here, <laughs> here. Those things make a great... You know, they affect your viewing experience, but they mean nothing as to what is and what isn't Star Trek. And, um, and in addition to that, I, there were two things in watching all of Star Trek that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, and that had to do with when Star Trek crossed into the supernatural. Um, TNG Sub Rosa, anyone? Ah, <laughs> I, I think that came up at our dinner yeah. the other night about Crusher, not Star Trek to me. Right, falling all, in love yeah. with her grandmother's ghost boyfriend. I mean, yeah, come on. We'll but pretend like that didn't happen. At the same time, in DS9, a lot of the, the Bajoran religious um, beliefs and the Pa Wraiths got a little in that direction. But I felt like that was different in that it had a bigger purpose about showing, um, you know, whether it's, when I say human, but we're talking Cardassian, Bajoran, but showing our human tendencies to ourselves. And so for me, that brought it back a little bit into Star Trek, even though it did have that supernatural component. So when I think about why that rubbed me the wrong way, because that's not really a part of what Roddenberry was trying to do, and in science fiction, we try not to get supernatural, but yeah. that's kind of an example where if it, if it had that purpose of showing us to ourselves, then it still falls, for me at least, into the context of Star Trek. Hmm. So I don't know if you have Excellent. Any. No, thank you. <laughs> thank you, yeah. Fantastic. I'll tell you, honestly... Well, we haven't gotten that far into Deep Space Nine yet. I mean, I, I'm aware of characters, I'm aware of story arcs, but I haven't done sure. the like, hard rewatch of every single episode. I mean, the fact that we start off knowing who God is in Deep Space Nine, <laughs> there are aliens who live in this thing, and that you have these other people who are willing to go ahead and keep believing, right? Yep. In that, I mean, I sort of feel like, I mean, they gave us kind of a cheat 
in a way, right? They're like, okay, so these people are going to be ad- addressing this. Don't worry, because we've already established. But we've, now that's, that's having ended season one. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe something else. Maybe Space Ghost comes. <laughs> or Beverly's Ghost. Boy maybe friends. Lucian comes. That, oh, that would be wouldn't awesome, Wouldn't that be nice? Right? God, yeah. I miss him. But no, but yeah. I, I think that, that speaks to exactly what Meredith was saying, the, the, the conversation that we've had before. There is no wormhole. There is no DS9. There is no Cisco. There are no aliens. But describing that in the, in the metaphor that is the science fiction landscape of DS9 yeah. gives us an opportunity for that kind of reflection on ourselves. We might know the truth about something, but do we choose to apply a belief, a supernatural belief to it, even if we already know that maybe there's a truth beyond that <laughs> or a truth that does not require a supernatural explanation? Right. Yes, sir. Neelix. <laughs> Hello. Um, enjoy your podcast. I want to tell you why I think there's no but to any Star Trek for me. And I started as 10 to 12-year-old in the 70s watching a couple episodes of Star Trek on television in black and white, and a friend of the family handed me a technical manual. And I just sat there and looked through the technical manual and looked at all the ship, and I thought that ship was real. I was wondering what, what made them build this ship and where is it and how can I be on it. <laughs> And then I watched some Star Trek, and then the motion picture came out, and I got to go see the motion picture. I love the motion picture. It's still probably my favorite movie. Yeah. Because I got to see this tiny little screen turn into an amazing theater experience. And it was gorgeous, and it's still the most cinemagraphic. And, and I also felt like it was the most accurate representation of what we might look like in space one day because the uniforms were simpler and all that. Anyway. So then I go through, and I, I watch Star Trek throughout the years. I watch Next Gen and all this, I love every bit of it. There's none of it I don't love. It's kind of like your children, how you love every child for a different reason, and you love different things about your children, and this kid turned into a puck rocker, and this kid's a doctor, and this kid's that, and you love them all, and you embrace them all, and you hope that they all have good long lives. And that's the way I feel about all of Star Trek. J.J. Abrams' first movie came out, I watched the first 10 minutes of that, and I was almost crying. Not so much because it was, first of all, the best scene ever filmed for a Star Trek movie, in my opinion. Agreed. But I saw a franchise that, for me, had been dead for ten years, revitalized. I knew my daughter liked it, who never liked Star Trek. I knew that the youth would enjoy that movie. Even if they didn't care about any of the shows, they would bring Star Trek back. And Star Trek might actually live past me. Instead of die with all the fans that are canonites that are stuck in their little groove that refuse to accept anything new. And so, and I'm not, I understand everybody comes to it from different viewpoints, but I love it all. My favorite character is the ship, the Enterprise, or the Voyager, or whatever ship it is, because that's what started me with Star Trek, the blueprints, and looking at the amazingness. And Star Trek is about us in the future, Mm -hmm. which is why it's better than the other Star franchise, because it's about us (laughs) in the future. And that's why nice. I love Star Trek. Nice. That's why there's no but for me. And <laughs> nice. I will love it all, no matter what they do with it. I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. I just, I, I have a really quick comment to that, that I, there is no but for you. When we were talking, again, earlier before this uh, uh, panel, one of the things we were talking about was the, the future of Star Trek on television or on streaming and how cool it is that after that announcement about Alex Kurtzman extending his contract and multiple shows in the works, 
I kind of look forward to the idea that there's a Star Trek that's out there to come that isn't for me. So I have criticisms about Discovery, mostly to do with like structure, storytelling, some of the tropes that are overused, right? Little but, things. It, the, yeah, right. Um, but that's the Star Trek that I've got right now. That's the Star Trek that I'm interested in picking apart every week with this guy. I look forward to the idea that there might be an animated, there might be a Starfleet Academy, there might be miniseries, these things that, that are on the horizon. And one of those shows m might be aimed at a 12 or 13-year-old. And it's not aimed at me. And I hope that that kid loves that show. And then in five years, seven years, ten years, comes here because they've gotten into the other shows as well. Oh, yes, Neelix? And I'll just say, as a kid, all I cared about was the space battles and the, and the cool aliens. When I grew up, I learned about the messages that it had. The yeah. messages, to me, are kind of auxiliary to the story. They're kind of the thing that they sneak in there, so that while you're watching the science fiction and while you're enjoying all that, at some point in your life, hopefully you'll get the message that they've put into it, and it'll mean something to you. It might not be then. It might be 20 years from now. And that's kind of the way... It was for me. I didn't understand any of the messages. Other than let there be your last battlefield being Sneetches in space, I didn't really understand anything about it. You know? And I learned that later in life. And, and I hope that all Star Trek does keep doing that. Yeah. There's, a, there's something that's great, too, about the possibility of more shows. And obviously, we're not talking much about the business side of it. But what's great about the possibility of more shows, this is going to sound weird, each one becomes less precious. I don't know if we would have the division about is Discovery what you want Star Trek to be if there were four other shows that we could be standing here talking about right now. So I'm kind of excited in the same way that John's excited that there might be one that's not for him. I'm excited that it's going to be able to explore all of these different things and then we don't have to stake everything on no, Star Trek is dead now because this or yes, Star Trek is alive now because this. Star Trek is thriving because... There's another show I haven't even had time to watch yet, but I look forward to going back someday because I'm watching these other three, and they're fantastic. Yeah. Or two of them are fantastic, and one's just okay. Or I hate two of them, but that one is amazing. Right. Because you you've, you've got a much bigger playground. Before we uh, come up too much here against the clock, I, I want to ask a trivia question because i got a cool thing to give away here. Always with the trivia. With this one. <laughs> Always. Um, and and just, just raise your hand if you know it. Um, I want to know in... Star Trek The Motion Picture, because it was mentioned earlier. Thank you. Um, what was the name of the space station that was destroyed by V'ger? Boom. Excellent. All right. So. Yeah. From our friends at Eagle Moss. Thank you, Eagle Moss. Please go visit their booth. This is the Matt Jeffries concept ship for a new show from the imagination of Gene Roddenberry called Starship. Yeah, that was well before Star Trek. That was the concept, the ring ship that could have been the Enterprise. And it's super cool, and I'm very jealous that you have that now. Interesting that you mentioned Star Trek, the motion picture. This, is, this ship is actually in Star Trek, the motion picture. It's in one of the, uh, it's on the recreational deck. It's one of the uh, portraits of the different iterations of the Enterprise that are on the Enterprise. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a quick uh, reenactment of that. Uh, so you'll be Ilea, and, uh, and we'll be walking. <laughs> All these vessels were called Enterprise. Thank you. Scene. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thank you. 
Hi, gentlemen. My name is Barry. I'm actually a little bit confused. Am I reading the schedule wrong? I was. Th this is the no minimum bid auction. Is that? <laughs> is that what this? Uh, we we have one Ken Ray starting oh. at eight dollars. Oh, I was. A pass. Oh, wait, 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 wow! Already, cool, nice. Wow, wow, cool. So um, this question about Star Trek, you know, what is Star Trek? And it's for me, it's not having a necessarily, you know, just being the exclusive positive vision. It's it's teaching you how to be. And if I had a child, I didn't have, I never had any children, but if I had a child, Monday through Friday, I'd send it to him or her, I'd send the kid to school, and Sunday, we'd binge watch Star Trek. And that's how I would structure this person's identity. And, you know, or like contribute to it. And I think, you know, like with, with things like Picard, you know, you learn not to cheat on tests. <laughs> but Kirk, you don't take tests. Don't eat, don't eat paint. <laughs> but the other shows like, like Deep Space Nine and Discovery, those are what you do when you did cheat on the test. And you're not beyond redemption. You try to figure out, okay, how do I get myself out of trouble at this point? And so that's why some of these darker shows, I think, have merit and fit because they complete the construction. You, you, you don't... For, the, for those times, you find yourself a little bit tainted, and you have to get yourself in a better place. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. This is my second uh, Star Trek Las Vegas. My first was 2014. The reason I came was you guys, because yeah. I was a Star Trek fan, like uh, Ningulex here, since I was a kid, but I kind of went into all other kinds of fandom and it wasn't super fan, but you guys made me a super fan again. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, wow. wow. When I came, I was a TOS only. I, had, I moved to Mexico when I was in 1991. I saw the first two or three episodes of TNG. That, that wasn't Star Trek for me. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I just never had a chance to see that, the other ones. I came here. And I saw all the love for all the other Star Treks. And I said, well, i got to check this out. And you guys are going to start TNG. And I was like, I wanna, I'm going to go through it with you guys. But wow. I end up binging all of them. <laughs> wow. In about wow. three or four months, I saw TNG through Enterprise. Wow. So, <laughs> Holy I do have a job. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's but, funny, because our job is watching Star Trek, so I, I don't know. Yeah, and to... we're really falling down. If he did it in yeah, 10 months... Yeah, I know. Man. It shouldn't take us 10 more years. I yeah. know. There's a, there's a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of things that came to my mind during all this, this talk. I think, basically, I think the Star Trek, for me, for many, many years, Star Trek, the original series, was Star Trek enough for me. And I could keep watching it over and over again. And I think and there's other Star Treks, and I've liked everything that I've seen through Enterprise... And I agree with the first lady who said that uh, Star Trek continues. I consider that my Star Trek now. Every single episode of that show, except for the Mirror Mirror-ish episode, which was more of a fun episode, but every other episode made me cry. Wow. Literally hmm. made me wow. cry. And I think that... And I have a problem with Discovery because I feel like because of Discovery, Star Trek continues and other fan-made shows had to... To cease and desist. Mm -hmm. And I think, but, and, I, and I'm struggling with discovery still. I'm going to, I give it a chance. But for me, it's not about 
oh, you guys are wrong and I'm right. That's where we have to stop as fans. We have to realize, like you're saying, that some Star Treks aren't going to be for us. And it's okay for other people to like it. And sometimes we just have to keep our mouth shut. <laughs> the problem that we're having, I think, when you talk about the divisions that you're seeing in the other conference that you did, is that people want to have their voice heard, but they're not thinking about what they're saying. And they're not thinking about how it makes them look or how it might hurt other people. And that's when they're not being Star Trek. We have to be Star Trek sometimes. And we have to realize and say, you know what, I might not like Discovery, but it's okay if you do. You know? And here's the thing, I don't want people to keep their mouths shut about criticism and, and deep discussion of the, the ideas in there. The, the ugliest thing to me, like I said, is taking away enjoyment from somebody. You know, I, I, I like to be challenged about the things that I find in an episode. I like to be challenged in the conversations that we have. Um, I think that's wonderful. I... Uh, Surely you've heard the term of fan gatekeeping. And there's a lot of gatekeeping in a lot of different fandoms. We happen to be entrenched in this, so we see it a lot. Um, But, yeah, I I want people to really embrace and love what they love and uh, and be able to have a conversation with somebody who doesn't uh, on the same page. I think think the main thing we need to do is, uh, I mean, we have to be careful how... I mean, I, I love the discussion, too. There were times where I felt like, I wanted to say something about Discovery online or something, but I felt like everyone seems to like it so much. I didn't want to offend anyone with my... I don't know. No, no, no. I'm getting it. <laughs> no. But I want to have that discussion, too. But just have to be careful keeping our emotions or something, you know, be Spock about it so that we're not, <laughs> we're not getting up about it. And we can end up saying, let's agree to disagree. And let's have this diversity. It's okay. And I think what Deep Space Nine and its spiritual aspect... I know you guys, uh, you know, the talk of the supernatural and everything, there's people that love Star Trek that believe in that stuff. Sure. And yeah, I'm one yeah, of them. 100%. Yeah. But I love you guys, even though I know you guys don't agree with that stuff. <laughs> and that's That'll be thing. our next panel. <laughs> and I think that's the thing that we can, we can be together. And I think Deep Space Nine shows that to some extent because, you know, they're, they're there with religious people, but they're learning to deal and work with them, and they're accepting them. And I think that's the way we need to be here in the Star Trek fandom. Cool, thank you. When, um, when The Force Awakens came out, I was listening to Dana Gould's podcast, and they were talking about what they thought about the movie, and they were a bunch of geeks. They absolutely loved it at the time. I don't know if they revisited it, if they would feel the same way. But there were a lot of people, of course, who hated that movie because it was new, and it was, you know, it was doing whatever it was doing to the thing that you know, they grew up loving and believing in. And Dana Gould's thing was, it's okay for you to not like ice cream. What's not okay is for you to then go to an ice cream parlor and start knocking ice cream out of everybody's <laughs> hand. You don't have to like it. It doesn't have to be for you. But, uh, like you know, you don't have That's to good. ruin it for everybody else. Chris. Hey. Hey, guys. Uh, so this is a question for both Ken and Ray. Nice. Oh. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> so, like you, I feel that a very important part of Star Trek is this aspirational future that we see, you know, the bright, shiny future of TOS, the bright, carpeted future of TNG, you know, and like you, I had some qualms with Discovery about the obvious lack of, I think you said, the enlightened future on one of your Mission Log Lives, but I went back and I rewatched Discovery recently, and I think that Discovery is really, it's about our journey toward that enlightenment that sort of we're, it's filling in that gap because 
a lot of times, I, you know, I love TNG, but it's like, well, how do we get from now to that great place? And I think Discovery is kind of showing us that, that the, there, it's not going to be an easy road. There are going to be stumbling blocks, and we're, have to, we're going to have to get over that. And I think that's going to be one of the big narrative and sort of thematic through lines, definitely of season one, and if not, the whole show. Is Chris, that- are, are you saying it's been a long road getting from there <laughs> to here? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. Just, That's I mean, an enterprise joke, Ken. We'll get to that in eight years. <laughs> to your, uh, to that, I mean, that's sort of the thing that I was talking about earlier, how we're everybody in TNG. TNG is showing us how we're going to get there. They're showing us also, though, that we can, right? When we come to that planet, when we come to symbiosis, when we come to all the other episodes, the names of which I can't remember. Um, First contact. When we come there, uh, I mean, we're seeing how we're going to get past the bad thing that we're doing in those two planets. We're those guys, and we're Picard, and we're Riker, and we're Data. I mean, we're, we're everything on screen, I think, which makes it sound very me-centric and you-centric. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sort of seeing it as still showing us how to do that. But it's, it's starting with the premise that we can I mean, go halfway through... I don't want to keep saying Discovery because I don't want to sound like I'm beating up on it. it. But go halfway through Discovery. There's no guarantee that anybody's getting out alive. There's no guarantee that anybody's getting out alive. And the guarantee in Next Gen is we're going to make it. You know? And, and, and here's, here's a way that we could fall like these people on this planet, but we're no better than them because we were them. And, in fact, we are. So, I mean, that's, that's, sort of, that's sort of my thing. I'd, maybe it's a difference of you identify I, I with character. I have a character. different thing. I, yeah. You identify with character. I identify with situation, I think. Yeah. And so I'm seeing myself all over the screen there. I'm not looking for the character that I'm like, okay, that's, okay that one's me. Okay, so now what am I going to do? It, it's, I'm, I'm looking at it in a very, trying to look at it in a very federation way of saying, okay, what are we going to do? Yeah. Chris, we'll, we'll talk later. I got a cool, longer sweet. answer. So, right. yeah. um, and, and I think we, we are kind of, I don't know if we have a, where are we, tech guys? Five minutes? One minute? Zero? I don't know where we are. Are we already done? Did are we, we already leave? done? Are we just, yeah. Are we back at the table? I think we might be. Oh, we have seven minutes? Seven minutes. Yeah. Excellent. You're right. up. Hi, guys. Hi. Um, so, I, on the discovery theme, I, I just wanted to, and I think somebody, I, I, one of you has already brought this up, but like um, judging any Star Trek series on its first season, you, you know, I think other than the original series first season and the um, animated series, yeah, yeah, but but <laughs> yeah. original series first season being kind of a special case, but you know, TNG first season, DS Nine, Voyager, you know, they were not their best, you know, their their best episodes for the most part, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I think you know on that basis, Discovery probably other than TOS, if depending on how you feel with TOS, probably the first, the best first season, I think, of, of any Trek series, as far as overall kind of um, the, the characters already being somewhat developed and, and you know, kind of um, not feeling this. I mean, you have issues of discovery, but, you know, it feels like they're, they're more put together than most of the other series were in their, sure. in their first season. So, And not to talk too much about what was going on behind the scenes, because I don't think any of us know what was going on behind the scenes, but, I mean, that series now is in different hands. I don't think yeah. that makes it better or worse. I don't know. It's to the point that someone made earlier, and I can't remember who, we're not anywhere near done with Discovery. So, I mean, yeah. to say, 
I mean, you can then go back to, okay, structurally, how do you feel about it and all that stuff. But, yeah. I mean, this could end up being, I love Christopher Pike, man. He's my captain. Seriously. I mean, I don't know him well enough, but when I look at all of them that I've seen so far, he's the one that I look at and I'm like, that's, that's like, that's like all around starship captain to me. Picard yeah. is very, I mean, he's the one of the ones that I've really gotten to know. Um, he's the one that I sort of, I guess he would be the one that I would identify with most, but Pike's just awesome. So I'm yeah. really looking forward to seeing what happens with him. I also like the fact that in this episode, in this season of Discovery, hey, there's something weird going on and we don't know what it is. Let's go find out, Yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And maybe I'll end up hating it. Who knows? But yeah. I like the fact that our premise is, hey, something odd. Why don't we explore? Why don't we yeah. uh, right. discover? Yeah, like that. discover. Yeah. Nice. The second season definitely looks like they're trying to go towards more what people think of it, yeah. what Star Trek is. So. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, I mean, you'll certainly get an argument for me. That that first season of Discovery is produced beautifully, and uh, watching those first two episodes back-to-back on a big screen, it looked like a feature film. It was stunning. And I I think the characters are awesome. I I think it's just a tight production. Um, Especially compared to... You know, next generation for a season. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but, but, but here's the thing. It's weird because it's written in a different way. You're writing for the whole season. Yeah, yeah. And as we look at it, which is one of the reasons we do Mission Log Live, as we look at it, you're judging the first 15 episodes as the first episode. You know, right. where do we start and where do we end after 15 weeks of viewing yeah. instead of what happens in 50 minutes? And then also, yeah. I think now shows really can't, uh, they don't have the time that, you know, TNG had to, to find itself, DS9, yeah. you know, Voyager. I mean, they, they have to really hit the ground running and, and yep. you know, well, for the most you part. should come by our table later because then we get into the whole nerdy, like, you know, business part thing. Yeah, Not that we know talk. anything about it, but, like, yeah. I mean... I would debate that, but we can't right now, can we? Yeah, we can't right now, but we got five minutes, maybe four minutes. Oh, we got now. four minutes. I thought yeah, we were, yeah. okay. Yeah, so, come by the table anyway, because yeah. yeah, we'll do All that. All right, thanks, man. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up watching the original series and, you know, loved it. You know, Spock was who I wanted to become. You know, uh, sometimes I would stand aghast at Kirk, the way he'd come in and just kick some society over because they weren't <laughs> doing it right. But. Sometimes he would do that, you say. Yeah. <laughs> But sometimes he was right, you know. Um, oh. But the 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 point was, you know, that, that again there was that that you know that kind of optimism and the belief that we can be better. You know, sometimes uh, the UFP and Starfleet represented our better selves. Sometimes not so much. But it was that idea that, that we could be getting better. Um, TNG almost lost me because you know Picard would mm, let's talk about this, and I was going Jim Kirk would just ball him out of the sky. Um, <laughs> but you know, and ironically, you know, it was all Roddenberry that was screwing that up. But um, but eventually, you know, they 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 got to the the you know the more interesting writing and everything, and and there is that again that that positive positivity of you know where we can go as a society as a culture, um, and I think that is the one absolutely continuous theme through every Star Trek series. And so when you go to that question of, you know, is it Star Trek? It's like, okay, does it at some point express a fundamental optimism about our ability to improve ourselves? And with Discovery, yeah, they've gone into a dark place, but there are those moments like when Saru stands up and says, 
we are Starfleet, and we are better than these uh, orders than we are receiving. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's there. That's mm. the Star Trek moment. Yeah. And so, you know, um, I, I, I like the way you put it about getting more series and getting the ones that aren't for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but as long as that optimism is there somewhere, it will be Star Trek. Thank you. And I, I believe this will be our last caller. Yes, yeah. I think so. We have time for one more caller. Go oh, ahead. Wow, awesome. Uh, I just want to say, first of all, I really appreciate what you guys have done, are doing, will do. Uh, last year, I started a fledgling beta test for a Star Trek podcast called Clever Orbits. And oh, to nice. see that you know, creation or whoever it is is giving this kind of space to people with great ideas in the podcasting community, it just blows me away. So I'm wow. creating being up here. Thank you. You are next year. But, um, yeah, yeah, you're welcome. And uh, when it comes to the Trek canon, for me, there's just such an opportunity to... I'll use a metaphor. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, a really complicated, intricate artwork. I mean, the only thing that I think of that is comparable to what Star Trek is in the world of art, in the history of humanity, is, like, maybe comic books. But then there's a commitment here that everything be connected like, like, it's so intricate and it's so detailed and nuanced and complicated, really, that, that there's um, an opportunity to draw interconnections be- between these vastly different portions of it that makes it, it's just like a fun toy to play with, like on some <laughs> level. And that's, that's mainly what we do is like we try to, on the podcast that I uh, produce, try to see how everything can fit together. It's like a puzzle, and it doesn't initially have to fit together, but finding a way to make it all fit together is fun. And then, you know, if you want to go for some sort of a thematic thing, the human condition seems to be explored in all of the series, quote unquote. We could talk about what that means. And yeah, yeah, I'm really surprised that you guys didn't do the business aspect, because that's... (laughs) Really, that is the answer yeah, on yeah. some level to all of this. Underneath yeah. it is like... We'll, we'll save it for a live show. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we could yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, or you can come by the table because yeah. we love that as well. We, we, we are done, but we just have a, a, a couple of things to remind... And thank you very, very much. Thank and you. thank you, everybody who came today. Um, just a couple of last-minute business things here. Podcast.roddenberry.com. You'll find these four shows plus... Mission Log Live, so Mission Log, Women at War, Priority One, and The Trek Files. You can find all of those and subscribe for free at podcast.roddenberry.com. Oh, oh, we got one more thing. Take the ferns down just for a moment. I love the ferns. They're they're awesome, and we're between them. There we go. So one of the really cool things here is that we all get to come together, and we all get to talk, and we all get to see all this stuff, and we all get to see people in costumes, and that's really fantastic. We've been working with a VR platform for about the past year called Sansar. We have built, created, had a hand in um, a sort of Roddenberry museum event space kind of thing. And what's really great is we can have these conversations there 24-7 and we don't all have to be in Vegas. We do all have to have Windows computers. (laughs) For now. For now. I know. But... But, I mean, there's, there's a, a lot going on there, and they have a demo here, and I would love it if everybody here got a chance to go see that because we were excited about it, and then we walked into it, and we were just blown away. So if you could, if you could give it a look. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's in the same room with 10 Ford, 
So it's, it's right on the hall, and uh, yeah, go check it out because it's kind of mind-blowing. Um, I think that's it. Yeah. Rodden, uh, uh, Mission Log is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. You can find more. Wait, where's the late Rod Roddenberry? Uh, <laughs> more information at, uh, at missionlogpodcast.com. Uh, for more, where are we? I don't know. For yeah. other great podcasts, check out stuff and do things. And yeah. come back and see us tomorrow. And come to the table, Podcast. please. Come to the table at the Roddenberry yeah. Island. Thank you. Thank and all thank of you, you for coming out. Yeah. Yes. Hey, thank you to everybody who joined us in Vegas for the panel, or joined us at the table, or joined us at the Masquerade Bar. Many many, many times. Um, and thank you all for listening today and going on that little trip to a few days ago with us, or depending on when you're listening to this, eh, a week ago, a month ago, a few years ago. We hope it lasts a while. Uh, before Ken and I leave for the day, a few shout-outs to some very special people. Uh, first of all, fan sets. Uh, they produce an incredible product. They threw a great party. Their booth was buzzing. This year, I don't know if you noticed, but every time you walk by, it was just absolutely crawling with people and pins because they make pins. So the people who are after the pins. <laughs> so excellent job to the guys at Fan Sets. Uh, who else, Ken? Who else? Well, we do want to say thank you to the good people at Eagle Moss. They uh, gave us something to give away, as people just heard uh, during the panel. But more than that, they sponsored our presence at the show. Um, you want to get a really clear idea of how this works. So I met a, I met one of the actors from Discovery while I was oh, there. Wait, who did you? Yeah, who did you meet? Uh, Mitchell Webb. I met Mitchell. <laughs> I'm pretty oh, sure nice. that may not be his no, name. His no. name is Kenneth Mitchell. I yes. met Kenneth Mitchell. He is no longer on Discovery. Uh, because he uh, his character died, as did so many characters on Discovery. Uh, yeah. He played Cole from the House Core. He was the uh, he was the he was the bad guy Klingon. And, and you say the bad guy Klingon, and I would argue yes. I would say he was the bad guy Klingon. Uh, but here's the thing: he came by the table, and uh, and he did not come by to say hi because we're Mission Log. He did not come by to say hi because we're Roddenberry. He came by because he saw those little ships sitting on the table and he wanted to talk to me yeah. about those. And so we talked about that and I sent him over to the, uh, you know, Eagle Moss booth. They were doing the same thing back and forth. So not only did they sponsor our presence there, but you know, just having those teeny tiny starships and some not so tiny starships there, that uh, got some people to come over and say, Hey, so, so thanks to them for the, uh, for the, uh, well, for the support and for the, uh, for the eye candy, and, uh, and for the ships that a couple of us got to take home. Hey, well, I, by the way, I'm going to take it a step further and just say that if you don't know about Eagle Moss, and, and how could you if you listen to our show, <laughs> shop.eaglemoss.com and eaglemoss.com slash missionlogpod. That's probably, I'm sorry, missionlog, eaglemoss.com slash missionlog. I'd start there. You might you might see some ships that you like. Uh, who else do we want to thank? Well, you've heard us mention on, uh, at least on the last supplemental Sansar, our good friends in the virtual realm, uh, we had the tremendous pleasure of uh, opening up the Roddenberry Nexus in Sansar. And that is a virtual hangout space, a museum, soon to be so much more. We've got virtual objects in there from the Roddenberry Archive. And I'm here to tell you, if you weren't at Vegas, um, there was a line of people all the time mm. to try it out. And then you would go in there for a few minutes, and then I would go in there, and we would just stand and watch and listen as people experienced it. And it was the same thing every single time, repeated hundreds of times over, people saying, this is amazing. Yeah. 
this is incredible. <laughs> I mean, it, it was so yeah. great. And working with Sansar to develop it, but working with Sansar at the convention was just stellar. And they didn't ask me to do this, but I actually spoke to the people from Sansar uh, earlier today. Um, well, Tuesday now, as people hear this, so a couple of days ago, but they could not say enough great things about the people that came in. They, I yeah. mean, just the, the level of excitement, uh, the level of, um, well, excitement is really the only word that comes to mind right this second. They were blown away by how blown away you were by what you saw. And basically, along the short, it's a virtual love fest, except, uh, you know, with the real love. And the uh, the virtual reality space. Uh, the one last uh, group we're going to thank shall remain nameless because, you know, their parents didn't see any point in giving them names. So why should we? No, that's not why. <laughs> um, there are too many people to thank. And, and I don't want to. I mean, just just friends of ours, uh, people. Well, some people that we see every year, some people that we've never met before. I mean, it was a mixture of people who know us from the podcast and people who know us from years past and some people who know us in real life. The only reason I don't want to name any of them is because I can't name all of them. But the thing that makes <laughs> the thing that makes uh, that that convention so special is the people. It's it's the one week a year that we all get together. And, you know, I know most everybody that I know there, there's at least one night that they don't have a completely clear memory of <laughs> because they were tired. Not for any other reason, John. Mm -hmm. I don't know what right, you were thinking. Right. Yeah. No, but um, the one thing that we do all know is, is the thing that means the most to us. I can't speak for John. I, I can speak for myself and I can speak for a number of people that I know there. Uh, the thing that means the most to us is each other. And just every year, every year I'm blown away by the people that we see, meet, get to hang out with for the first time, get to hang out with again. Um, I count myself more than lucky in that respect. And so for, for you guys and gals, and you know who you are, so I don't have to say your name, um, you rock. And, and we appreciate it. And... Uh, can't wait to see you again. Podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.